Hallelujah. Good morning, Calvary. Amen. How many are enjoying the warm weather in December? Uh, I'll take it. Any day of the week. Any day of the week. It's a good day to be here in God's house today. And I'm excited about what I'm going to be sharing with you in just a few moments. Uh, uh, but before we do that, I want to just, just give you a, uh, really just one thing. It's coming up in just a couple of, uh, of weeks, uh, and that's our Christmas Eve service. we got something really special planned that evening. It's going to be a wonderful night. Uh, if you're out of town, I pray that God would just bless you. Have a great time wherever you're going to be at. But uh, uh, if you're in town, and uh, even if families uh, coming in and you say, man, we're going to be gathering, I would just so encourage you to take advantage, maybe just do a little readjustment of your plans. Come, bring them to church and ask them to come. And uh, Because really, the reason for this season is what? It's Jesus. And uh, let's keep him the focus. It's as good as it is to get together with uh, friends and family and God wants you to enjoy that, uh, but it's better with Jesus there in the mix. Would you agree with that? Amen. So we want you to be a part of that evening. We're going to go ahead and get ready for our tithe and our offerings today. Thank you for your faithfulness and uh, uh, your generosity. I want to encourage you to stay faithful to missions. And uh, uh, let's finish the year strong on giving to missions. Uh, I know that it's the time where we're... we're uh, we're, we got Christmas gifts, and we're doing that, 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 that thing, and, and that's fine. But I want to really encourage you, uh, the commitment that you made towards missions, uh, they're dependent upon us. I mean, we're holding the line for them uh, from the prayer standpoint as well as financially. So I really want to encourage you to be faithful in that. We would really appreciate that. So let's go ahead and let's pray, and let's ask God's blessing on the offering and the tithe. Lord, we present, Lord, to you. Lord, our tithe and our offerings. And Lord, we thank you for your faithfulness to us. And Lord, as we present it to you, God, we ask that you would use it to touch people's lives, Lord. We ask, God, it would, God that, that what is sown into missions, God, it would, it would literally have an impact, Lord God, throughout this world to those who have not heard the gospel yet. Lord, we lift up every missionary that we're supporting, God, and going into areas, Lord, and sharing with people who have not heard the good news yet. God, we pray that you would anoint them and you would use them in a powerful, powerful way. And Lord, we thank you now. We pray your blessing upon this, and I pray your blessing upon each giver here today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.
Amen. This morning, I want to begin a series called The Message of the Major, and I want to talk about my favorite person, and his name is Jesus. Would anybody like to hear about him today? Amen. I want to encourage you over the next couple of weeks to take advantage of the opportunities to uh, share the gospel, share your testimony, uh, share what God has done in your life. People need to hear about Jesus. People need to hear about what God has done in your life. Even the people that may, uh, may seem to be the most offensive sinner people, uh, cussing and drinking and, and drugging and all that, those are the people that Jesus came for. Jesus came for those who were sick and were far from him, and God wants to use you in that area. I know this, that remarkable gifts can come in unremarkable packages. And, uh, and that was certainly true when it came to Jesus. It certainly happened in, in Bethlehem, Jesus' birthplace. Here we see God in a teenager's womb. Divinity sleeping on the hay of a manger. The hope of humanity surrounded by animals. No one especially back at that time, expected God to come the way that he did. But the way he came, the way that God came, is every bit as, impor as important as the fact that he came. And that is the message in the major. And this morning we're going to look at, when you look at the, the story of the Christmas story, we generally look into the Gospels. But today we're going to do something a little bit different. Instead of looking at Matthew and Luke and John, that really has a lot to say about the birth of Christ and uh, the message behind that. We're going to look at, 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 at something that's indirect that comes from Paul the Apostle that is every bit as powerful, and it's found in the book of Philippians. If you have your Bible here this morning, would you turn to, you know it's one of my favorite books uh, in the Bible. I spent a couple of months on this this past summer, the book of Philippians. I want you to go with me to Philippians chapter 2. And uh, you're going to see here uh, his word on, on the incarnation, God becoming flesh and his exaltation. And you're going to see that when we read this together, I want you to see the beauty behind this passage of Scripture that we look at. It's meaningful. It's life-changing. And you will see that it has something absolutely uh, to do with the birth of Christ, but very indirectly. Here, when we read this passage of Scripture, you're going to see uh, the heart of, of the gospel. Everybody know what the gospel means. Do you know what the word gospel means? It means good news. How many people do you think outside of these doors, okay, need to hear some good news, okay? Let's look at this good news here. Let's look at the heart of the gospel, and you're going to see how indirectly how Jesus came, which is part of the Christmas message. Philippians chapter 2, starting with verse 4, do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interest of others. Have this attitude in yourself, which also was in Christ Jesus, who although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men. 
being found in appearance as a man, talking God becoming man, the baby, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. For this reason also God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that that at the name of Jesus Christ every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Father, I just pray in Jesus' name that you would help us to hear these words from your scriptures today. I pray that you would give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and Lord, the faith to respond to what you are speaking to us today. God, I pray that you would, Lord, anoint your servant today. Give me your strength. I ask in Jesus' name, amen. Paul here is not writing a Christmas message, but he's writing about how Christ came. And he's writing a message to the church of encouragement and practical instruction to the church. And some scholars think that this passage of Scripture, there was one of three things that were happening here, that, uh, that this passage of Scripture, it's written differently. It was, this, it was the first song that was sung in the Christian church. Uh, and they would sing this during the services. Uh, others thought, scholars thought, it was, uh, it was a liturgy, it was a, a writing that was cycled for churches to go ahead and read out loud. It was basically just kind of a common reading. Others think uh, that it was something that was really like a poem, um, which I kind of think what it is, like he wrote in Ephesians chapter 1. If you've ever read Ephesians chapter 1, it's a beautiful passage of Scripture. Or what many of you also know in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the love chapter, uh, where Paul gives the greatest description of what love is. But here he's writing down the gospel here so, uh, so that people could understand it and maybe even, under, even memorize it. Whether it was a liturgy, whether it was poem or psalm, we don't know for sure. But what we do know, it is a beautiful condensed version of the gospel, the good news. And, and, and this morning I want to look at, there was three points that I saw here that I want to kind of just point out to you here today about the gospel, about Jesus coming into this world and when he he was laid there on a major and what happened after that, okay? He he makes three points here, and we're going to see these in the next uh, few verses. Number one, I want you to write down the declaration. It said here in verse 6, said Jesus was in the very nature... God. Okay, he was in the very nature God. This was Jesus, okay? Now, prior to be born in Bethlehem, Jesus had every attribute, every benefit of divinity. He was timeless, he was boundless, he was limitless, and we also know that he was the creator of the world. John chapter 1, verse 3 says this all things came into being through him. And apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being, okay? So what that means that every rock, every planet, okay, every animal, every star has the stamp made by Jesus. 
he even gets credit for the sun that we get to enjoy here in this month. Uh, let me share with you just a couple of facts about this, the sun. I, didn't know, I don't know if you know this, but, this, but the sun is one million times larger than the earth, okay? We don't, by the way, the sun doesn't revolve around us. We revolve around the sun, and I think also the sun of Jesus Christ. Number two, the sun is, is almost a perfect sphere, a perfect circle. And number three, it reaches 27 million degrees Fahrenheit. Does that blow your mind? Now, Jesus made that for our benefit. He made this. In fact, he made it all. And he simply spoke it into existence, and it came into being. He was in very nature God. But what really rocks and what really blows the mind is not only the declaration that he is God, but it's the incarnation, God becoming man. It says in Philippians 2, 7, and he made himself, as God, he made himself as nothing. Okay? He made himself as nothing. Other translations right there, it says that he emptied himself or he laid aside his privileges. God made himself hungry. He made himself needy. He made himself small. He made himself dependent upon a mother's milk in order to survive and to grow. When he was tired, he was really tired. Talking of Jesus. When he was frustrated, he was really frustrated. How long must I put up with you? His message to his disciples. When he was angry, I mean, he was angry. They're in the temple throwing, overthrowing tables of the money changers. When he was confused, yes, when he was confused, he was even looking for answers. Matthew 27, 46, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He took on human form and feelings for, for a time. He made himself dependent upon God, okay, just like us. In John chapter 12, verse 50, he says, The things I speak, what I'm speaking, what's coming out of mouth, I speak just as the Father told me. So he's going to the Father for direction. So here we see in, in, in this passage of Scripture here in Philippians that Jesus divested himself. In fact, look at the example of the second coming. He says, about that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. When is the second coming going to happen? Jesus said, I mean, I don't know. He says, there, now there's a lot of people that seem to know more than Jesus, okay, out there. But he says, no one knows about that hour except the Father. God who knows all, Jesus didn't know it all for a period of time. Paul said this about Jesus and, and his equality with God. Here in verse 6, it says, He did not regard equality with God as a thing to be grasped. Jesus was not going after with his hands and trying to grasp and stay equal with God. In fact, he did the opposite of that. Jesus was not willing to take advantage. Who was the king of kings and the Lord of lords? Was not willing to take advantage of his heavenly status. Basically, the loose translation of this was this. He didn't throw his weight around when he could have. 
You ever been around people that, uh, whether it was a politician or it was a cop, and they had the power and they throw their weight around? That wasn't Jesus. To his disciples, who for a moment were ready to go to defend him, right there before he was going to go to trial, it said in Matthew chapter 26, verse 53, do you think I cannot call I my father and he will at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels. Here he said, I, I have the ability, I can go ahead and do that, but I'm not going to do that. So he refused to demand special treatment. Why did Jesus go to this length that he wouldn't take advantage of the position and the power that he had? We're going to look at that in just a few moments. But we know that he refused to exploit his equality with God. And it says here in verse 8, it says, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Now, when, when the, 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 the disciples, when the Philippian church, that, that church early, when they, when, when they saw this scripture and when they saw the word cross, I mean, we can't totally fully appreciate uh, the significance of the cross, okay? But they could. The cross uh, and what was going on, it happened during the Roman Empire. And they understood that, that crucifixion by death was reserved. Listen to this. It was reserved for the lowest of low people. It was reserved for the criminals, for the lower class. And here we know that Jesus was tortured. He was whipped. He was nailed. He was stripped naked and hung in public, in a public place of humiliation. And it cannot be stated too often, when, when Jesus was on the cross, that was God that was on the cross, who took the nails, the spit, and the thorns, and the spear, and the whip. And this is how far God would go, God becoming man. Why? Why did he do that? His creation, which he loved, which was make, made in his image, was broken and bruised. And sinful. And here he goes to redeem and to remake and to restore that which he had created. He would not be stopped. I will become a man. But why would Jesus, or why would God or Jesus do this? What was the purpose behind this? Why would he go to this great length? There's a great illustration, great example of this. A man by the name of Dr. Maxwell Maltz shares the story of what happened to him one day. There was a, a lady came to him. He was a prominent plastic surgeon and uh, helped out a lot of people. And this lady came to him, and she says, uh, Doctor, uh, I have a, a problem. Uh, my husband, uh, uh, he is badly disfigured. He's been burned. And uh, uh, he tried to rescue his, his, his mom and his dad in a fire, uh, he, uh, they were elderly. He was unsuccessful, and uh, and he felt uh, and he falsely assumed that God was punishing him because he failed, and because of that, he said, uh, since that has happened, he has become a recluse. He's just stayed inside of the house. In fact, not only has he stayed inside the house, he has stayed inside of himself. I haven't been able to connect with him. 
I, 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 can you help me? And he says, I can help him with the advances in surgery. I can go ahead. There's some things, there's some techniques, there's some surgeries, and there's some treatments that he won't be perfect like he was before, but we can definitely help him. And he says, but here it is. He says, let me talk to him. And she said, he won't talk to anybody. And, uh, and so she made this statement. She says, listen, here's the reason I want to come to you. She said, could you do to my face what happened to him? Could you go ahead and do some kind of procedure to my face that, that when he sees me, he's going to be able to be able to somehow maybe reconnect with me and then let me inside of his world. Would you do that? Would you help me out with that? And he said, absolutely not. I, will not, <laughs> I, I, I won't do that. He says, but uh, he says, I do want to talk to him. And so uh, she, gave, uh, she gave him her address, and he went ahead and he rang the doorbell, and he knocked on the door, and, and, and no one came there. But he was there in the house, and he rang the doorbell, and he knocked on the door again, and then he began to yell through the door. He says, I know that you are in there. My name is Dr. Maxwell Martz, uh, and I, Maltz, and I am a plastic surgeon, and I know that I can help you. I know that, that I can make you look much better than you do right now. And I want to tell you something. Your wife who came to my office was willing to have her face disfigured so she could go ahead and identify with you. And when he heard those words, he opened up the door. And then it was after that he went ahead and received treatments and some operations it happened because of love, of someone who would become like, who was willing to become like them, so he would turn back to her. Can I tell you something? That's exactly what God did for you and I. You have a hand, he became a hand. You have a neck, he became a neck. You have a leg, he became a, a, a leg. You have problems, he experienced problems. Why? So that you could know that what it's like to be like, he would be able to so identify with you. He became like you with the hope that you would trust him and become like him. Hebrews 4.15, what an awesome scripture. God doesn't understand, no one understands. We don't have a priest who is out of touch with our reality, he's been through weakness and testing, experienced it all, all but the sin. That is the Jesus that we know and that we serve and that we can know personally here today. And so Paul doesn't stop here with, with the declaration and the incarnation. Those two points are, le- are intended to lead us to the wonderful, what we call the exaltation. It says, therefore... God exalted him to the highest place. The one who went to the lowest place, literally, uh, not only was he crucified, okay, and then he went and he was in Hades, in hell, the lowest of the lowest places. He's no longer on the cross, no longer in the manger, no longer in the tomb, but God raised him up, the Bible says, to the highest place. Where is that? It's to where God dwells. There's no higher place in all of history or the universe. Jesus outrakes all the greatest 
that you and I can think of. And there's some wonderful people to think about. And it says here in Philippians 2.9, it says here not only did God raise him up, but God gave him the name that is above every name. That's Jesus. The name that is above every name. We know this, that names carry clout. I was looking at, at, at some of our presidents and what their signature is worth. Um, presently, right now, uh, if, you, if our president was to sign a, a baseball right now, it would be worth somewhere in the neighborhood of about $500. Uh, Ronald Reagan, former president Ronald Reagan, okay, his stuff uh, starts $700.50 above. JFK, John F. Kennedy, stuff that has his signature on it is worth $2,500 and up. We know this, names carry clouts. It helps us to get into places. Oh, I know so-and-so. Oh, you know them? Come on in. But I want to tell you this. There's only one name that will cause every knee to bow, and that is the name of Jesus Christ. It says here in Philippians chapter 2, verse 10, look at this. It says that at the, the name of Jesus, not some, not just a few, but every, name, every knee will bow. Every single one that's ever lived in history will bow to those who are in heaven, as those are the angels, and on earth and under the earth. That's talking about demonic spirits, demons, fallen angels. And that every time we'll confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. He says that day's happening. Every time we'll confess that Jesus is Lord. There are many people who have refused to, to bow down and to worship Jesus. There are many people that mock the name of Jesus. We live in a culture that, that makes now we are seeing people making fun of, of Christians. And, and there are many people that renounce a need for a Savior who are self-sufficient and self-made. Many laugh today, but they will not laugh forever. The day is coming when every knee will bow. I'm wondering today, I look here and I look through this, through the, through the people here, I know most of you here in this room have bowed. You've been on your knee to Jesus and confessed him as your Savior and Lord. But I don't know if everyone has here today. If you haven't done it, I encourage you to do so today. It will change your life, not only here on earth, but it will change the direction of your eternity. Now, there's some people maybe here that maybe assume that you're going to heaven because you believe in God. You're a nice person. You pay your bills. You're respectful towards people. You try to practice the golden rule, but you don't. You, the truth is, you don't worship Jesus with your life. Okay, you may do it in song, but you don't do it through actions in your life. Jesus describes maybe you this, and I pray that this is not anyone in here. These people, they honor me with their lips. They come to church services, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. So I ask you here a question here today when we look at the practical aspect of the message of the, of the major here today. What are you worshiping? Who are you worshiping? What are you worshiping? Is it your career, your past achievements? Your, is it maybe your kids, your, your spouse, entertainment, sports, your, your savings account, your, your house, your car, your reputation, what you wear, your body? Is that the thing that's most important to you? 
I want to just say if any of those things that, that is really kind of, you say, well, I believe in God, and you know, I know he's good or whatever, but man, this one area, I, I've really, it's the most important thing in my life. And I want to say that's very sad because you are worshiping a wimpy deity. Worship the only one who is worthy of praise and honor, Jesus Christ, here today. I pray that you would do it today. If you don't, you're setting yourself up for a huge disappointment as well as horror. You have a car that you're putting your hope in. It will wear out. You're putting your, your hope in your body. Your hair will fall out. The skin will begin to wrinkle and sag. Okay, If you have money and you have a lot of it, trust me, you will not be able to take it with you. But you can send it on ahead by, by investing in his kingdom. So that's the disappointment. You're going to come in and say, yeah, I've experienced that. And, it, and at the end of the day, it brings disappointment if that's what you put your hope in. But the horror is, if you've gone to that length and you've not bowed your knee to Jesus, here's, here's the bottom line. It says, then they will go away. Jesus is talking about to those who have not bowed yet. They will go away to eternal punishment. It's another way of describing what hell is. But the righteous to eternal life. Bow to the only true king of the universe. All life is coming to this point, folks. It, it, it all is. It's, it's coming to this point, okay, uh, where we're going to worship him. It's going to come down. We're going to worship him. We're going to declare Jesus Christ is Lord. That time, there is no getting away. Every knee will bow. And every tongue will confess. When will that happen? I pray that if I'm just speaking to one person or two people here in this room, and Jesus is not your Lord. He's not the one. And literally, the word, do you know what the word worship means? It means to bow down to. So if you ever found yourself on your knees or laying down as, you, as, you, as you're singing the songs of the Lord and, and your heart is connected, that is very much worship. Very much worship. And I would encourage you, bend your knee towards him. The wise men did it. And they came to the major. And it tells us to do that, not in the future, but to do it now. The exaltation, Jesus declared uh, uh, the one that is above all other names, shows that he's a good king, and it shows that we're not too good. We're not too good at managing our lives because we're not that good. Don't underestimate the beauty of a common package because within a common package is an uncommon gift. In his name is Jesus. Let's pray.